Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking, located in the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Byron Earnhardt. I am the program director here at Barrett, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our corner of the banking world and hope that we can make your bank, your staff, and maybe even your day a better one. Hello, Main Street Bankers, and welcome to 2019. Our first episode of the year is with Sarah Basowski with Mills Marketing. I met Sarah at Lead Forward last year and she gave an excellent presentation about the bank app. But it wasn't the same old digital experience that we've all heard. She made it very easy to see and visualize. She did a lot to help define what omni-channel or rather omni-digital really looks like to the bank customer. Hope you enjoy. Okay, today we have Sarah Basowski with Mills Marketing. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, and great job on, on pronouncing Basowski. It's, <laughs> it's not, not like easy. I, yeah, well, like I was telling you earlier, with, you know, with a name like Byron Earnhardt, I, I'm used to being <laughs> called everything, and some things are questionable in, in mixed company. But I, do, uh, I do try to go that extra mile and make sure I get everything right. Um, Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Mills Marketing. Well, so I am um, Sarah Basowski. I am president of Mills Marketing. We are based in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, so it's a bit chilly, chilly here right now. Yeah. Um, but we are, we're a, well, I guess, full-service financial marketing firm is probably the best description. Um, we, we work with and for financial institutions all across the United States. Um, to help with everything from, you know, basically creating uh, growth strategies to um, branding to public relations to training, you know, it, it really is kind of a broad, broad scope of things that we do. Um, we've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, my mother actually started the company um, in 1975, so oh. and she's still she's still very very active and involved. <laughs> so um, she's she's still certainly part of the mix, um, and we we really have have been doing this. You know, we're we're super. Uh, deep into the financial industry. You know, we sort of joke that we, we got into this because we thought we couldn't be smart, you know, as smart <laughs> in a hundred different different industries. So we thought we'd just learn one really well and sort of stay there. And, and uh, that's what we've done. And it's been, it's been great. We, we get to work with large community banks, um, really in, in every time zone. So it's, it's cool. very exciting. And it's an exciting time for community banks right now in general. It is. It's definitely a, a, an exciting time. A lot of things, a lot of interesting things going on, a lot of transition. Um, it, it's interesting to kind of be watching it uh, from, my, from our standpoint here on the sidelines and, and being able to comment on it. Um, in, in preparation for this, for our interview today, I, I of course went to your website and I found some interesting things on your website under the expertise section. You've got a very, really neat section called Engaging Interactive. Tell me a little bit more about that and how that fits into the suite, for lack of a better term, of the more traditional aspects of a marketing business. Sure, sure. So like 
like every industry, you know, the uh, I would say the the Amazon effect has certainly hit banking too. Right. You know, people right. people are expecting that. a different yeah a different <laughs> level of service, a different speed of service. You know, it, it's just there are some things that um, we are going to have to do and continue to do to adapt to that new expectation in in service in banking. So. The engaging interactive is really just kind of a manifestation of all of the different channels that we are starting to explore and use, you know, in, in banking that might be a little, little different, little new, um, you know, and some of them are not so new, you know, mm-hmm. this, that can range from, from social media and, you know, your web, but now, you know, now it kind of translates to digital marketing and advertising and search and, um, you know, geo-targeting and geofencing. And then it obviously, you know, that drives right to your mobile app, which is mm-hmm. obviously where most of the action is, is happening right now. Right. Right. And yeah, at Lead Forward this past year where you and I met, um, you gave an outstanding presentation along these lines and at at the risk of, you know, saying just tell me tell me what you talked about. Could you give me the brief the, the, the cliff notes on that on that presentation? Because it goes right into what you were talking about with the app. Sure, absolutely. So basically, you know, I I start out talking about how we just can't make any assumptions anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. we used to be able to say, oh, X and Y demographic really prefer to use this channel or they don't care for this channel or that, you know, there, there were some really, um, some go-to assumptions that we could make across the Mm -hmm. board. Those assumptions have sort of been thrown out the window, you know, Mm -hmm. again, with Amazon, Apple, Google, you know, Facebook, all of those, all of those things kind of getting it, becoming part of our everyday, we're we're just doing things differently. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't comfortably say, uh, women in, you know, this geography of this age and demographic prefer this anymore because we just, we don't know, you know, people are really using all channels cut in, in sort of an unexpected way. Um, but that's, that's, that was kind of where I start the conversation is really just to say, we've got to stay abreast of usage trends and we really can't make any assumptions. You know, we have mm-hmm. to really be open to the fact that many different types of people and different, um, you know, people with different needs for products and services are using channels that they've never necessarily used before. So that's sort of point one, you know, um, which which kind of leads me to the second piece of that, which means you need to audit your delivery channels. You know, I talk a lot about um, omni-channel communication, which, of course, is, you know, just using all of your channels. But then we're kind of uh, moving toward almost more of an omni-digital channel you know mm-hmm. there there are some financial institutions larger ones that have you know a three to five year plan that so that say we are going to be only delivering via you know via some sort of electronic channel so right. making sure that you have a roadmap you know taking a look at all of your channels both traditional and non-traditional right now but then having a roadmap to move toward what obviously is going to be very, very important, which would be more of that omni-digital change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
I guess one of the points that I, I really like to drive home, I spend a lot of time looking at specifically Bank of America's mobile app. It's, it's mm-hmm. really, really impressive in terms of features, experience, customization. You know, it, it's got some really nice, nice, relevant features. And that's that's really important going forward, you know, is to maybe take a look at your strategy and though maybe a few years ago your website was sort of the hub of your communication wheel which it's still you know the website is still very relevant but it might be worth taking a look at that wheel and making your mobile app the hub you know Mm. driving traffic having having all of your communication channels both traditional and non-traditional drive toward that mobile app so that the you know that that's where the action is happening anyway. Mm. So that's that's part of it. <clears throat> that's a really good that's a good strategy there. I mean, I, I can see where that would take a fundamental shift in thinking. But you know, I remember in your presentation, you made some really good arguments for for that. Just considering that that shift of in thinking, and then naturally there's some, and we'll and later in the questions we'll we'll get to that. But there's naturally some progressions that spin off that spin off of that that I thought were really cool. Um, what are two or three things that banks can do, even the smallest of community banks? What can we do on a practical level to move towards this omni-channel or omni-digital uh, delivery system? Well, a couple different things. Again, look outside of your mm-hmm. own channel. You know, it, look look internally, but then look externally. Make sure mm-hmm. we're aware of what's happening out there, because unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's good and bad. <laughs> the digital movement has sort of leveled the playing field. You know, mm-hmm. of course, the big banks spend. You know millions and millions of dollars to be more present, uh, you know, in digital marketing and to have high, you know, high functioning technology. However, the, the people that we can reach, the way that we target are all available. It's the same availability to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it levels the playing field in a way that means we, as maybe smaller to mid-size or even large community banks, have to sort of step up our game. You know, mm-hmm. we have we have the ability to compete and we need to compete in that space. So look at your look at your channels, look at your strategy for for digital. And then the third part of it really is you have to be disciplined. The problem is that just because digital is popular and useful, it doesn't mean that we can stop everything else. So right. then it becomes then it becomes a budget issue, mm-hmm. right? right? So we have to be very disciplined about budget reallocation. You know, we have to say, okay, maybe this year we're going to scale back on some of our more traditional marketing and 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 scale up on digital. So maybe you move toward more of a 70-30, you know, 70% digital, 30% traditional budget rather than, mm-hmm. you know, the other way around. Mm-hmm. In your experience as you've helped banks with these transitions, what's that number one obstacle you would tell executives to be careful for in making this kind of transition? You know, I, honestly, I think the, the biggest, the biggest hurdle Mm-hmm. is unfamiliarity. Mm. You know, it's it's really and and this this industry is is pretty 
pretty commonly slow to move <laughs> in the technology space. I was so wondering how you were going to address that. I knew what you were telling. I was wondering how you were going to phrase that. <laughs> as nicely as possible. But, you know, we're, we're not always the first to the party when it comes to, to you know, digital and technology. Right, but right. I, I think if we can get over that fear, that hump, that, you know, um, we might be doing something that's a little bit out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at it from the ability to target, track, report, you know, all of those sort of hard line results that you can get from digital that frankly, you can't get at that level from a lot of the more traditional methods of, of outreach. So I think if you can get past that and understand, too, that just because going digital is, 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 seems uh, less labor-intensive, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily less expensive. Right. So you, you can't go into this with a, oh, we're going to you know, <laughs> take this new route and it's a huge cost savings. No, you still have to spend the amount of money to get the, the return that you're looking for. Yeah. But on the other hand, you can track it. You can change it easily. You can target at an mm-hmm. extremely granular level. So mm-hmm. uh, getting over that, I think, mm-hmm. is really, really important. How in the banks that you've worked with, how does these going making these transitions impact the culture of the bank as it trickles down from the C-suite down to the branches, to the teleline, to the CSR? How does that impact the culture on the front lines? I from my experience, it's been hugely positive. You know, mm-hmm. it, I think people really, as soon as they understand what you're doing and why and what the benefits are going to be, which of course has to be communicated and supported at the high, you know, the highest level. Right. But once that is, once that is communicated, then I think everybody understands, you know what, this is our strategy to stay in the game. You yeah. know, we have to kind of reinvent ourselves because again, the the product and service industry has sort of, the, the landscape has changed, you know. So for us to stay relevant, to stay part of this, you know, industry, we've got to make some changes. And I think these are really um, innovative and exciting ways to do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, you spent some time at Lead Forward discussing the user experience in this omni digital um, banking environment. And it seemed to me that our customers really across all age demographics, and you brought this up in your presentation, are moving become, moving towards becoming more comfortable with the digital experience. And I thought that as I was preparing the notes for this, my dad happened to be in the market for a new guitar and he bought, he, he found, purchased and everything up to the pickup on his iPad, which to him blew his mind. Um, but I thought it was pretty cool too. I mean, because a guitar is something that you want to have your hands on and touch, and your money is right, the right. same way. But there's something to even the baby boomers going digital. So, from the customer's perspective, what does this omni digital? And you, you brought it up with the Bank of America in the Bank of America presentation. What does? Um, how does this look? to John Q and Jane Q customer? How is this going to look and feel to them? Well, I think that's part, you know, kind of circling back, that's part part of not making any assumptions about Mm -hmm. about the user. You know, we have to be open to the fact that 
everybody is it has a certain comfort or or discomfort with with this channel you know mm -hmm. so i think you know i i talk to my clients a lot and it, unfortunately it's a really tough place to be but it is the reality i mean we we have to sort of meet people where they are right mm -hmm. i mean we mm -hmm. have to deliver messages and we have to you know that's that's why i talk a lot about the bank of america mobile app they have done a wonderful job basically trying to bring personalization you know they have they have voice response very mm -hmm. very detailed complex voice response so if you don't want to do anything other than talk to your phone i mean if you don't even want to touch a button <laughs> you don't have to you know mm -hmm. so it can answer very complex questions it can make a payment for you it can it, you know can mm -hmm. transfer funds tell you your balances so that's meeting that person you know maybe the the more sophisticated user where they are now mm -hmm. if you if if you aren't they've got more traditional options you know you can one click away be on the phone with someone you can one click away you know make an appointment with a banker mm -hmm. so there are ways um, there are ways that they are bringing all of those sort of um, on, on the spectrum of comfort with mm -hmm. digital. They're trying to meet all of these people where they are. You know, mm -hmm. the mobile app does a really good job of doing that. And frankly, they take it next level in that everything on that app is personal to me or personal right. to, you know, to whomever is using it. Um, I have personalized messages, relevant ads, um, mm -hmm. offers, uh, my name, just mm -hmm. simple things like good morning, Sarah, good afternoon, mm -hmm. Sarah, you know, that the user experience is, is not threatening. It meets me where I am and it keeps me, it, it does everything I need it to do without having to, it, it just the way I want to do it, you know? Right. So it's, that's, that's kind of, that's really important. And it's really hard for large community banks to do that because obviously they don't have a lot of the resources that a Bank of America might. But but again, it's the concept, you know, it's making sure that we are continually trying to not lose because obviously, you know, community banks are we're, we're built on relationships, right? We're, right? You're not a number, we know your name. So we're trying, we have to try to continue to not lose that, but still offer that omni-channel, omni-digital delivery that people are really kind of becoming, you know, they want, they expect it now. Right. And, and that's what I thought was really interesting in your presentation was <clears throat> so much, I guess, even in our line of work um, or in our area of uh, community bank support, we get kind of fascinated with the bells and whistles and all that it can do. But I remember in, in the presentations and then watching sort of my dad's generate, my mom and dad's generation, it's begin to interact more with digital. It's the little thing, like what you said, it's the, my name is there. Uh, relevant, mm -hmm. ad, relevant ads, relevant, you know, even using some of the uh, locations, uh, the location abilities of your phone, where you are, yep. bring, bring some of the budgeting tools that they have into it. it. And even just some of the things, I think it was a Delta, it was, it was an airline company, I think that you used in your presentation. Of, right. Mm -hmm. It just looked, it looked like a, and I'm using this as an example, it looked like a Delta counter it looked like a, a delta experience and so mm -hmm. if or guitar center or something like that so when i when you click on the app you know it feels like you're interacting with 
your Delta ticket agent, your guitar center employee. And then so transferring that from the bank, it feels like you're interacting with your community banker, teller, CSR. Um, that was a really, that was an eye opener for me. I th it, it's the little touches, like what you were saying, really go a long way there. Absolutely. You know, and I, I travel quite a bit and I, mm -hmm. I think, you know, one of the others I show, I'm a big Hilton person. So mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, it just, a couple minutes ago, I booked a hotel in, in Memphis, actually. Okay. And um, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> the minute I book it, landscapes and pictures of Memphis start scrolling through, you know, scrolling through on my <laughs> on my Hilton Honors app. And it's just it's, it's, it's those little things that mm -hmm. sort of bring that that human element to technology. And that's really what everybody's kind of striving for. And I think those little, th I think, and this, I have no evidence to back this up, but I, it, it <laughs> seems like some of the fear of Big Brother, get, uh, it, it, people uh, people that I wouldn't expect, to, and to your point of not making assumptions, booking, booking a hotel in Memphis mm -hmm. and doing all of that, and then, you know, understanding that that actually does book your hotel in Memphis, that you have your your confirmation just the same, and then get starting getting the visual, uh, contextual, cultural kind of experience of your travel, of your of your stay and things like that, um, really goes, it, it really goes a long way towards, uh, towards helping the integration and of course Hilton or the bank or wherever is getting all the data, getting the relationship, getting the engagement, all the stuff that you've got to have to keep the doors open. But um, those little touches like that are really, really, really key um, and not making those assumptions like what you said. That was right. really, that's really good. Yeah, right. it, it, it certainly helps build trust. It does. Know? And I think that's that's a huge hurdle for both it, both users and and frankly banks who are right. who are, you know, looking to embark on this. Well, and we're in the trust business. And so if we're if 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 people are trusting Amazon, people are trusting Hilton, people are trusting this, we've got to, if anybody, the banks ought to be the ones piggybacking off of what, you know, what people are calling that Amazon effect and things like that. So it's, I, I, it was really interesting, um, your take on that. I appreciate you taking some time with, with me this morning to, to go over that. You bet. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. We'll, we'll, uh, are you, we'll talk to you, uh, next time, I guess, next time we run into each other at a conference and, uh, we'll, uh, look forward to seeing you again. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks good. so much. Well, that's our episode for today. We hope you've enjoyed yourself and learned a little something. If you haven't already, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and drop us a five-star rating. You can follow us at Barrett Banking on Twitter or Barrett School of Banking on Facebook and LinkedIn. And we even have a new Community Banking Road Trip playlist on Spotify highlighting your favorite songs about your home state. Check that out and feel free to submit your favorite song about your state to add to the playlist. We have an ever-growing slate of classes, seminars, and webinars that are available, and not to mention our industry-recognized Graduate School of Banking every May, and we look forward to seeing you at any or all of our events. For more information, check out our website at barrett.ws. And from Memphis, the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, we'll see y'all next time on Main Street Banking. <laughs>